Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Do you know how to have tough conversations about the faith? When we live authentic Catholic lives, friends, family members, coworkers, and neighbors will start asking us all sorts of questions. How will we respond in these important situations? On today's episode, we will give you five do's and don'ts on how to defend the faith in a winning way. And of course, we'll share some experiences from our own adventures in apologetics. Plus, we have the perfect baptismal present hack that will surely be remembered for years to come. You won't want to miss it. So stay right here. It's season four, episode three, and I wanted to start this episode by just saying thank you to all of our listeners. We've been getting some awesome feedback, some just amazing thank you emails lately, and I just feel like we're on a new season, we've got this new momentum, and we even have a new segment. Lisa, do you want to tell them about our new segment? Yeah, speaking of being grateful for you all, our awesome listeners, we have a name for this new segment, which we announced at the beginning of the season in season one this liturgical monthly podcast it's going to kind of be Mm -hmm. a bonus podcast it's going to come out about the week before each month starts just giving um well a lowdown on what's going on liturgically yeah and so thank you um to lauren powers listener lauren powers who sent in the idea we're going to be calling it the liturgical lowdown and I will be giving you the lowdown on what is going on in the church for the upcoming month liturgically. That's so, right. So I'm, I don't know when I'm going to post it exactly because the beginning of the month kind of rotates. So it's not always going to be like the last Monday because that could be the day before mm-hmm. the month starts. So just be on the lookout for it sometime next week, kind of a mini episode going through what's going on that month. Yeah, because usually we do new segments like within our episodes, but this is like its own little mini episode segment. So that's going to be really fun. I'm excited. We, yeah, we got a lot of feedback on the surveys that we did asking for more stuff liturgically. And we also got a lot of requests for more, more how to's on practical evangelization, practical apologetics. How do I share the faith in a way that's compelling and doesn't require a bullhorn? Basically. So, Today, we are doing how-to apologetics. Yeah, and I think this is a great start into apologetics. When you get into apologetics, there's all sorts of things you can talk about. And this is just an overview on apologetics itself. I can imagine more episodes in the future on specific topics. But we want to just kind of start uh, with some foundations here in this episode and just some vision as we normally do with a lot of our episodes. What's the vision? When we think about apologetics, we think about defending the faith, think about evangelizing and sharing the truth with other people. What are we thinking about? What what's comes to mind? And the thing that comes to mind for me when I think of this topic is really trying to share truth and love. Share truth and love. And I think we really need to make sure we have both of those things, both truth and love. Because some people try to share love, but they don't actually want to share the truth. It's like, I want to be nice to people. And I want to be you know Christian and loving, all those different things. But when it comes to actually telling them the truth, well, I'd rather not do that. And I love this verse from 1 Peter 
in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, verse 15, it says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is within you. And so we have this hope that's within us because of our Catholic faith, and we need to prepare ourselves to give an account for it. We can't just say, oh, I've loved you and shown you this charity and all these different things. When someone asks us about our faith, we need to be able to make sure we can make a defense. But then on the flip side of that, I think some people want to share truth without love. But the rest of 1 Peter 3.15 and then on with verse 16 says uh, we need to, 1 Peter 3.15 said we need to make this defense. But then later on it says, yet do so with gentleness and reverence and keep your conscience clear, right? So we, we can't just share the truth and be like, hey, you heard the truth, like get with it. We need to also do that with gentleness, with that love also. Hey, I know someone who um, recently shared what they thought was truth to me without love. It wasn't me? No. <laughs> no, it was on Facebook, which is the really, really what we should say is just be a troll on social media and be mean. Because um, that's what happens to me sometimes, uh, as you can probably imagine. Because um, you have a public profile and mm-hmm. you talk about being Catholic. So people, yeah. Anyways, so this was just yesterday. So I'll just give the most recent example. Please um, do. Yesterday I'm just glad morning. it's not me. So no. any other example, that's great. No, someone who just wanted to share the truth but didn't care about love. Um, it was a Facebook comment, and obviously this was someone who was just trolling because it was a post that I put up in May sometimes, like over a month ago. And it was my son's first communion, and I talked about how how grateful I was to be in a church where we have a God who wants to be with us so much that he hides in bread so he can come to be with us in the Eucharist. And this person's comment started out something like, oh, Lisa, you should know better. Jesus doesn't hide in bread. (laughs) I was like, oh, yes, this is very winning. You just belittled me. Now I really want to listen to what you have to say. And then they went on to tell me that I was an abusive mother because... (laughs) True, true, true story. Abusive mother, um, because I teach my children these falsehoods and I need to repent of my sin and so on and so forth. And they like threw out some random Bible verse. I didn't, I didn't even look it up because I'm not going to dialogue with somebody like that. Yep. Like I, I'm like, I don't even, if you're just going to attack me, like belittle me, tell me I'm abusive and I'm a sinner. I'm not like, oh, I'd really love to hear your viewpoint. I'd really love to hear what you have to say about this. So I just blocked the person and deleted the comment because I'm like, that's not going to be the memory that's forever ingrained on my son's first communion post. Like, no, thank you. So yeah, step one, don't be that person. But I think with all these, with both these sides, truth and love, uh, I think most of us find us, ourselves on one side or the other. Probably not to the extreme, that person who left the comment who clearly was out for truth and not any charity at all. But I think most of us go, oh yeah, I know the truth really well, but I struggled doing that with love. Or other people are like, oh no, I I can love people really well, but when it comes to actually sharing my faith, oh, I'm just too, like, I don't want to have that conversation. I back away, I change the topic, whatever that might be. And so today we're going to give you five do's and don'ts for apologetics that are really going to help you no matter where you're at, help you have these conversations to gain more confidence and to be able to really speak with other people about the faith with both truth and love. So I'm really excited about this episode because that's our goal. I think we all want to do it, but just how do we actually get to that point? 
Now you call these do's and don'ts, but really they're don'ts and do's. Yeah, they just didn't sound as good, don'ts and do's. Like no one's like, hey, <laughs> let's do some don'ts and do's. It's more do's and don'ts. But yeah. It is true. You're right. They're don'ts and do's. So and we're gonna go. So we're going me. negative first. So our first. <sighs> That's step one. Apologetics. Go negative first. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> be negative. Yes. No. Uh, they just make more sense when they're read this way. So deal with it. All right. So our first one is number one. Don't be surprised that people disagree with you. That's right. That's a good step. I. Oh yeah. Go ahead. But do be confident in the truth. You know. So here's the thing when it comes to apologetics, we get like some people get nervous or anxious or they they just don't want to have those conversations. And I really think it's important for us to get comfortable with conflict. Sometimes in the Catholic faith, we can kind of get in this bubble where it's like, oh, my friends are Catholic and we're all doing the right thing. And, And there's some really some great goodness to that. But on the flip side of that is I actually don't want to talk to people outside that bubble. I don't want to interface with people who might disagree with me. And I think in reality, if we're going to be able to witness to the truth, if we're going to make a defense, we have to be comfortable with conflict and we actually can't be surprised by it. We can't be surprised that the world hates us. Jesus tells us the world will hate you in well, some way, since, shape, or form. For the most part in apologetics, people don't hate you because they disagree with you. They just yeah. disagree with you. Yeah, but the, but I mean, we shouldn't be surprised that there's conflict, right? That there's there's people who are like, I disagree with what you think, you know? Sure. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. And so I think just realizing that, like not being surprised, and also just getting comfortable with that, whether it's friends or family members or coworkers, whatever it might be, just... Almost expecting like, yeah, people around me, they're going to disagree with me. And that's, um, I have to be like normal or okay with that, you know, and not, not get all flustered by it. And even like your Catholic family members might disagree with you and you're both Catholic. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a whole nother episode. (laughs) Um, and so I think a lot of the reason why, as we go through this don't and do, why we're not flustered is that we just know the truth. We have that confidence in the truth of the Catholic faith that when people disagree with us, we're not like, oh my gosh, or taken aback or feel insecure, whatever that might be. We just know, hey, our, our faith is true and we're going to have conflict or we're going to have discussion. But then the day I know the faith that I have is rock solid. So I need to, I need to just be okay with that and not get so flustered. Yeah. I'm thinking of recently, so this last, so 2017, I was in a mastermind, which is basically like a think tank for people who work independently because you don't have coworkers to bounce stuff off of. So it was a group of women. There were 12 of us who got together. And the interesting part is that it was a Protestant mastermind. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one other Catholic in the mastermind, phenomenal woman, um, but like not super knowledgeable in the faith and doing what I do. They obviously all knew what I was about. Um, I had lots of opportunities to have conversations with people who disagreed with me. Um, But it was fun because I never felt threatened by it. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was very much like a situation where I was like, listen, like I'm so confident in the truth that I know that having those conversations to me was a joy to get to share with them Um, because every single one of them, and this is probably most people that you know, were either formerly Catholic or their Mm. grandma is Catholic or their cousin married someone who's Catholic. Like we make up half of Christians. This isn't a surprise Mm -hmm. for the majority of people. Um, So actually people are very curious about the Catholic faith. And if you can come and have a dialogue with them and not be like immediately offended or immediately like flustered by the fact that they disagree with you, 
but just come in with that confidence and like, yeah, this is why we believe what we believe. And it's a neat thing to have the opportunity to explain it. So I actually had a lot of fun (laughs) that year. I had a ton of conversations with people. And even uh, I think twice, like I got an email from them afterwards to to the girls emailing me saying, thank you so much for sitting down and explaining that to me, Mm. why the church teaches what it teaches. Because it's always confused me why my aunt does this or does that or gosh I had I had one woman tell me like gosh if I had known the Catholic faith that you know maybe I wouldn't have left right yeah, like yeah. so there's um like a lot of goodness that can come from being willing to be okay with the fact that they might disagree with you yeah and some just some practical things I love that example just because it there's so much great fruit of yeah hearing thank you from those those women and and, and watching that over time and what, what happens when that happens, uh, when you, when you have that attitude, but just some practicals here, I think is, is one just getting ready to, you know, correct misunderstandings. Uh, some of the best things you can do is just trying to correct false assumptions about your Catholic faith, something that someone experienced or heard. And sometimes you have to say, actually, that's not true. Or my experience of the faith has been this, or what the church actually teaches on that matter is that. And, and I think it's really good to get through those misunderstandings. I think it's also good to just um, focus on one topic at a time. Sometimes we get in those moments where we get really flustered when just a lot of objections are coming at us and we're trying to have like four debates at once. And so we're really just trying to pick out what's the one thing we can go after. And even telling the person like, hey, there's I'm sure we could talk for a really long time. Would it be okay with you if we just picked out one thing to talk about? And I think that helps kind of calm the room a little bit. It gets past being flustered or worrying about so many different things and say, can we just concentrate on this uh, one thing? Uh, I think that's really going to help you have that confidence in knowing the truth and, and having being, being calmed uh, and not having the surprise of feeling like you're being attacked. Yeah. And, you know, I think most people that want to dialogue with you, like they, um, most of them don't want to attack. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, th- I really do think like my experience has usually been that people are just genuinely curious and they just Mm -hmm. genuinely want to understand. And, um, it's a gift to them if you can explain something. Yeah, absolutely. So awesome. Okay. So that's, um, don't and do number one. How about don't and do number two? I think this one goes, um, kind of in tandem what we just talked about. Um, so I'll read it first and then we'll explain why. So don't number two is don't act and speak like you know it all. But do be willing to be humble and find out answers to questions. So I think these go together because you might listen and go, oh, fantastic. Um, So I just need to be confident in what the church teaches. Okay, but what if I don't know what the church teaches? (laughs) Right. (laughs) How am I supposed to just be like, oh, I've got this. Yep, I understand papal authority, you know. Yep. I think humble confidence is something that uh, I would speak into this. And I think people really appreciate humble confidence, right? Like they know their faith, but... They're also willing to be humble to discuss it or to find an answer or to say, I'm not sure. Could I get back to you? You know, like that humble confidence, I think, goes a long way in these conversations as we're trying to be truth and love um, that people are like, oh, yeah, like this guy seems like a normal person. Like he has confidence in what he believes, but he's not cocky about it. And I think there's a big difference between confidence and cocky. I think... Um, Best example from my own life in this situation was when I went off to college. So my background, I grew up Catholic. I was involved in evangelical youth groups. I was kind of where I came to faith uh, in those things in high school. And when I went off to college. Um, I still practiced the Catholic faith. I still went to mass every Sunday. But the way I explain it is my brain was mostly Protestant. Like the way I understood the faith 
or explained the faith or talked about the faith or practiced outside of going to mass was fairly Protestant in most ways. I remember one time when we were hanging out at camp, I was like, he's like the most Protestant, or most Catholic Protestant. Or, you know, I was like, <laughs> he's Catholic, which. but yeah. he acts like a Protestant. Like, I was like, Kevin's too Protestant, even though he's still Catholic. Like, <laughs> you were just like, the way you talked about things was yeah. kind of foreign to me. I was yeah. like, what are you doing? Are you like the most Catholic Protestant I know or the most Protestant Catholic yeah. I know? Like, you didn't know which, yeah. Yeah, you carried your Bible around all the time and... You like prayed out loud and it wasn't the Hail Mary. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> Which, by the way, are good things Catholics should They do. are. I just, you know, it was not my typical like Catholic grade school upbringing, like what I knew. Yeah. So I went off to college and um, with this Catholic practice and Protestant brain. And so my just freshman year, I hung with a lot of Protestants and crew and university, still count many of those Protestant brothers and sisters as uh, really great friends the two years I was there and continue on to this day. And um, they would just ask me questions. They would say, hey, what about this about the Catholic Church? What about that? What about Mary? What about the Pope? And it was a point where I really didn't, I knew I, I was Catholic, but I didn't know why. And so constantly I'd have to say, oh my gosh, let me read about that. Let me find things. And so very quickly that fall semester, just almost out of survival, I would just go research. I would read book after book after book, and then I'd come back and have more discussion, and then I would go back and read more. And like this process of um, confidence, but at the same time, like humility of like, yeah, I actually don't know the answer to Mary on that. I, I'll go read it, and then we can have another discussion. I think helped with that that humble confidence. And um, it's so funny. I think those relationships over those two years just were amazing, and those those guys still call me and you know email me and we still have a relationship and a lot of times they one of them's an anglican pastor now yeah they're crazy a bunch of them converted to anglicanism which i so close uh, yeah closer and i think you know they would like like southern baptist to anglican they'd like apologize to me because like no the sacraments are great and like i understand where you're coming from and like i'm not catholic i still have a lot of things against the catholic church or i don't agree with the catholic church but like you were right on so many other things with faith and works or you know grace and all these different things um so just those those conversations over time and i think again they saw that i had confidence in what i believe but i was also humbled to have those conversations and to find out answers and things like that and that um i think that's what proved effective for my relationship with them but also for me learning more about my faith as well yeah i mean what it comes down to is you don't have to know all the answers you can simply say can i get back to you on that yeah and that's okay. And that's one of the best ways you can learn about your faith is when you're challenged by it. So don't be afraid of the challenge. Just see it as a growth, a way to grow. It's an opportunity for, for growth. Fantastic. It is time for our Catholic hack, which we have brought back for season four. I love Catholic hacks. I think they're so fun. We have a great one today. So here is my Catholic hack for you today. It has to do with baptism. So... Sometimes when you get invited to a baptism, there's kind of this awkward like, what do I get for a gift? Do I bring a gift or just a card? What do we do? Here's the answer, okay? So this is not only, okay, so this is this is for if you are attending a baptism, if you're a godparent, or even if you're a parent, this is, this is clutch for baptisms, a hack for a baptism. Or maybe it's even your own baptism. What you do is you go to... I guess you're an adult if you're, baptism. Yeah, Sorry, if you're go ahead, baptism. explain. I just... Yes. Go to a Catholic bookstore. I bet you could even get these on Amazon. But go to a Catholic bookstore because it's better to support local Catholic bookstores. Every Catholic bookstore sells these little bottles of whole, like plastic bottles for holy water so that you would just fill up in the font at your church and take home so you can bless yourself. 
get one as a gift for the person who's being baptized, the baby's being baptized. On the back, you write their name and the date. And after the baby's baptized, sneak over to the holy water fonts or before they dump the water out if it's in a bowl and say, hey, can I get some of that water? You fill the bottle up with holy water from that person's baptism and you give that to the baby or the adult as a gift or you keep it for yourself as a gift with a little note explaining on the baptismal anniversary, this person's baptismal anniversary, pull this bottle out and you can bless yourself. You can bless this baby with the baptismal water that was blessed, that blessed them on their baptism day. It's super cool, super powerful. Even when you're 50, you know, you just use a little bit of water each time. You can still bless yourself with the very water that baptized you. So cool. It's, that's a really good one. And Thank I just you. want everyone to know that basically all of our Catholic hacks, Lisa figures them out because I just, I have no intelligence in this area, but she's brilliant and those are fantastic. So I really like this one. It's yeah. good. I thought about when you said your own baptism, I just thought of like a baby trying to fill up the <laughs> bottle. <laughs> no, do it for the child. But such a great, meaningful gift. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Time for uh, number three, don't and do of apologetics here. Number three is don't make sure they hear everything you think, but do make sure they know you listened. So I think this is basically the probably the most important things to do in apologetics in something that everyone can do. Everyone can listen well. You know, and you don't have to know a lot to be able to listen, listen well. And I think the example I've given, I've talked about the Alpha Course a lot, but some of the philosophy of the Alpha Course, which is for uh, people who are outside the church to experience Christianity, is simply after you watch, you have a meal for 30 minutes, talk about life, not about faith, and then 30 minutes, basically you watch uh, a video, and then for 30 minutes, you have a discussion, and that discussion uh, as a table host is you're not supposed to really answer any questions, you're simply supposed to listen to what people have to say. And the reason why I think it's so effective um, at Alpha and something you can do as well is because when you listen to what people have to say, they actually get their logic out onto the table and maybe for the first time. I think a lot of times people in the postmodern world have opinions about things, but they don't actually think about why they formed that opinion or know the logic behind it. Sometimes they, they do. There's intelligent people out there, but maybe they haven't really thought through all that logic. And so when you listen... When you ask good questions, we just allow them to put everything on the table. Then maybe for the first time, they can actually see where their logic's going. They can actually see um, why they're saying what they're saying. And that is a gift in itself for them to make a decision or to change their mind is to actually know where their mind is at and why they think the way they do. I think this is just so great to listen because just and, and, and it's done with love when you listen. They know it's charitable. They know you care, like all those things as well. But I think them getting their logic on the table is just huge. Yeah. One thing I always try to do if I get into an apologetics conversation, especially with a stranger, um, which often happens like on airplanes, because, um, you know, it's like, what do you do? Yeah. I'm a Catholic speaker. Oh, interesting. Right. Open door right there. Um, so just tell people you're a Catholic speaker. That would be lying. So don't do that. But you get the idea. So... This kind of reminds me of like what I typically try to get back to is just like, how can I like work their logic to papal authority? Because <laughs> yeah. really like that's like the number one and we should do a whole episode on this on papal authority. We should. Um, the number one thing is like if you can just get to papal authority, like then everything else just like poof, it's gone because it's like, well, who has the authority? Right. So like if you listen well, you can usually find a loophole or a place where you can you can do this. And so recently I was on a flight. um, a couple years ago and there was a Protestant pastor and his wife and myself and we're having this conversation and 
this guy, Rob Bell, comes up, um, who's kind of a controversial Christian um, figure, mm-hmm. um, who was really cool when we were like in high school and in college, and then started to say some controversial things. And so then it was like, oh gosh, Rob Bell, is he really Christian or not? What do we do? Right. So Rob Bell comes up, and I was like, yeah, what do you think about Rob Bell? And he's like, well, you know, I feel like sometimes he misses the mark, meaning like he doesn't always get it right. And I said, oh, that's interesting. So like, how do you then, as a Protestant, like, how do you know, like, the mark? Like, how do you know, like, if you've missed it or hit it? And he's like, well, you just got to pray, you know, and, like, the Spirit reveals it to you. And I was like, okay, so, like, if you just got to pray about it, like, well, what about Rob Bell? Don't you think Rob Bell prays? And he mm. was like, well, I mean, yeah, he prays, but, like, he still misses the mark. And I was like, you know what? Like, at the end of the day, like, that's why I'm still a Catholic, because, like, there's a million different interpretations of things, and we're all praying and everybody's trying to seek the right thing but sometimes people miss the mark so like I know in my church people like I've got a pope who's like been the successor of Peter and I don't have to worry about like missing the mark because at the end of the day I can turn to my church to to find the truth and he was so flustered like just visibly like like it, it made sense to him and he was so mad because <laughs> he didn't yeah. know how to answer that yeah I um, mean it wasn't that I was trying to like piss him off it just was like here's your own logic, buddy. Like mm-hmm. if Rob Bell who prays misses the mark, like how about you? Like how are we supposed to know what truth is unless there's some kind of an authority? And I love that example because you wouldn't have gotten to that place if you'd simply said, hey, why well, believe in the Catholic Church and we have authority and the Pope's awesome and why wouldn't you think that? That's so silly that you don't. Instead, you just right. asked him questions of like, oh, like, well, what do you think about Rob Bell? W- do you think Rob Bell doesn't pray? And like suddenly his logic actually got on the table. Whereas before mm-hmm. he just would have put up his defenses like, no, the Pope's stupid. Like he wears a weird hat and the Popes have done bad things in the past. Like your statement that <clears throat> you have the Pope and authority like doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. But instead that, you allowed him to actually think through and it. And that wasn't going to be my lead. Hi, I'm Catholic. Oh, you're Protestant. You're wrong. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> like, yeah. Silly. Yep. Yeah. And I think that actually flows well into our next topic Mm -hmm. which our next don't is don't try to just find the differences do try to find the similarities which is where we started our conversation for 45 minutes looking at similarities yeah i think this is really key because so often we can just be like all right how do you feel and how is it different than how i feel and i think actually one of our best first moves is just say what do we both care about and how can we affirm the things that we both care about how can we affirm those similarities um because when we debate people, um, we like to make them into these terrible enemies, but generally behind any claim, I mean, we can be talking about Protestants, we can be t- talking about people in the secular world, we can talk about people who have radically different agendas than we do. They're not evil people. There's something, in a, there's a particular reason why they feel the way they do. Maybe it was an experience they had, maybe it was a person that they loved, maybe it was whatever it is, they have something good behind it. And so we want to make sure that we find that thing and maybe ask them some questions to get to that point and then affirm that. So I'll give a quick example as I think on Mary. A lot of Protestants when it comes to Catholics and our devotion to Mary, they're like, oh, I don't like that Catholics like Mary because it it takes you away. It separates you from Jesus, right? And so we might really affirm with them at some point in time in our conversation like, oh, by the way, as a Catholic, like I love Jesus. Like I've given my entire life to him and like I am trying to do everything in my life to live for him. And one of the reasons... Um, I love Mary and I have this devotion is because she actually brings me closer to Jesus. If there's any point in time that Mary doesn't bring me closer to Jesus, I know that that's not a good place for me to be because that's her whole purpose 
is it bring me closer to Jesus? Now all of a sudden that Protestant's going, oh wait, we both care about being close to Jesus. I didn't know that. I thought you wanted to be close to Mary. Oh, I do, but only because of Jesus. And we both love Jesus so much. And now they're going, huh, that's interesting because that's what I care about. And that's actually what I cared about beginning. And now our conversation takes on a whole nother level of them trying to understand how that may or may not be the case than just them going, why is the Catholic Church trying to separate people from Jesus? So I think, um, yeah, I think that's that's really Im- important to do. Um, I think uh, along with that, with some of the practicals, is just living that authentic Christian life. Like I was mentioning with loving Jesus, um, you just want to make sure you're living out your faith so they can see the truth, they can see those positives, uh, and they can really affirm that. If they're secular, a lot of times they think we're hypocritical. So being really true to what we believe is huge. If uh, someone's Protestant we're talking to, um, they've not might never seen the Catholic faith lived out well. And so I think it's really important to emphasize how we live out the faith, show them that we live out the faith, talk about the faith in a way that shows that we live it out. Not in a bragging way, but just so they know, this is actually my authentic life, not just something I think about. One of my favorite Protestant lines is, I used to be Catholic, and then I found Jesus, or then I met Jesus. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm still Catholic, and I meet Jesus every day. Like, Yeah. You know, I they yeah, I think a lot of times people think Catholic Church is just about ritual, and so showing an authentic life that has a relationship with Jesus at the heart of it is one of the best witnesses. Um, and I think going on tandem kind of with that too brings us to our last don't and do, which is don't try to win the arguments. But do trust that the Holy Spirit is working. Yeah, I think as I grow older, I just see this reaffirmed over and over and over again so much that it's not about me trying to win an argument or knowing the right thing to say. It's about the Holy Spirit working. God wants to bring every single soul to heaven. And we are his instruments in order to help do that. But behind that is his power and him working through us. And so I think really just trying to rely on prayer if we're having a relationship with somebody is praying for them every single day. If we're in those conversations to call on the Holy Spirit and rely on him and say, Lord, what do you, what do you want from this person? What do you want from this conversation? Because that's what I want to do. I don't want to do what I want, you know, just what I want. Actually, Lord, I want to do what you want. And so I just call on your Holy Spirit, that silent prayer to you in your heart and say, great, how can we, how, how can you help me, Lord, in this situation? Because you're the one that's going to convert hearts, not me. Yeah, I think ultimately that's really what apologetics comes down to is being willing to um, like walk through those doors when the doors open because the Holy Spirit might prompt that conversation. I think that's another Mm -hmm. kind of piece too that I would even tack on at the end here is when it comes to apologetics, really you're just praying, Lord, like I just want to be receptive and open to having conversations with my coworkers, with my family members, with my friends. And if you want me to have those conversations, will you open the door? Mm -hmm. It's not that you need to come in with an agenda every time that you talk to somebody and you know, you've got your five bullet points and you're ready to spout them out. But just Lord, if you want this conversation, not that that means that we are like wimp away and we, you know, like, well, the Holy Spirit never opened a door. Um, (laughs) yep. Yep. But like to truly, because if you pray for it, he will. He will give you opportunities. Um, and when those opportunities come and you recognize it and you're like, oh, this is a chance right now to witness. This is a chance to speak truth with love. That's when then you say, okay, here we go. Um, come Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and and that's the first thing you do in any apologetics conversation. Okay. Come Holy Spirit. Here we go. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right. So. That is it for our show today. Hey, if you would do us a favor and please continue to pray for Don and Christy. This is the couple who owns the house across the street from my sister that we would really 
love to purchase and to be able to live in community with my sister and with our godchildren would just be very exciting. Um, and of course, you know, if it's God's will, um, but if you could just keep that in your prayers, nothing has moved since the last episode last week. Um, and so we're just being patient there. So please continue to pray with us for Don and Christy, uh, to sell us their house by August 1st. We have a deadline people August 1st. And for a great price. If you want to throw that in the prayer question. (laughs) We want to be good stewards of our money. While we're at it. While we're at it. All right. Well, if you want to connect with us, our email is hello at made to magnify.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin R. Cotter or at Lisa Ann Cotter and with no E. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions and tell a friend. These things really help get the word out about How To Catholic. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it.